Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in the book of uh, Colossians here this morning, Colossians chapter number three. And if you're just joining with us, uh, we've been working our way through the book of Colossians. And uh, we've been talking about some things that uh, Paul has been given to the church and the things that he's been uh, telling us here in uh, Colossians 3 is a lot of the practical application of uh, all the theological stuff he's been uh, really drilling into us uh, through chapters 1 and 2. And uh, with Thanksgiving right around the corner, it should be no surprise that uh, we are talking about thankfulness this morning. And we're going to be looking specifically at uh, verse number 17, but to keep things together in the context, we're also going to look at uh, verses uh, 15 and 16. And so let's read our text here together, Colossians 3, beginning verse number 15. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be, mark it, thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Mark it again. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mark it again. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this morning, I don't want to talk so much about being a thankful person, uh, although being thankful will come across as we look in this text, but rather I want you to see how thankfulness will permeate a person's life who is spirit-filled and serving Christ. And this is what I'd like for you to take away with you this morning. Allow thankfulness to overflow in your life as you follow Christ. So let's take a specific note of a couple things here. Number one, gratitude is the result of a spirit-filled life. Are you a grateful person? Or are you a worrier and a complainer? If we are all honest, we all from time to time worry and complain. I know I do. Just ask my wife. She can testify of that. And instead of worrying or complaining, if you know Christ is your Savior, your life should testify of gratitude, because that's what we see here in our text. Gratitude is a major theme here in the book of Colossians. Paul tells us over and over that thankfulness should be so much of our lives as believers that he mentions it six times alone here in the book of Colossians. Mark these in your Bibles. We'll look at them here real quickly. Uh, in uh, verses 15 and 16, we see them. And also in verse 17, we'll look at shortly. But in uh, Colossians 1.12, Paul here is uh, giving this prayer for this church. And Paul was praying for them to have power to be patient and to persevere. And for them to joyfully give thanks to the Father. We see it again in Colossians uh, 2.7. Paul reminds us of our relationship with Jesus. And as we are being rooted and built up, built up in him and established 
in the faith, we are to be abounding in thanksgiving. Again, gratitude is also mentioned in uh, Colossians 4.2 later on in the chapter. And he talks about, as Paul calls for us to continue in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Why do you think Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, continually reminds them and us to be thankful? I believe it's because an attitude of gratitude contributes to an enjoyment of spiritual peace, whereas grumbling and complaining makes for inner agitation and conflict. And here in verses 15 and 16, Paul is stressing to us that gratitude is a result of a person who is spirit-filled. So we discussed a couple weeks ago that the spirit-filled person is a word-filled person. We gave that uh, comparison out of the book of Ephesians. So if a person says that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet they are not obeying the word of God, I'm sorry, you are not spirit-filled person who says that they're spirit-filled and they're jumping all up and hooping and hollering, but yet they don't follow God's direction in Scripture, you are not spirit-filled. A spirit-filled individual follows the Word of God, and as also is what we'll see here, thankfulness is part of a person who is spirit-filled. And so when we allow the peace of God and the Word of God to rule and dwell in our hearts as we are spirit-filled, the result will be a heart of gratitude, as what Paul teaches us here. Notice the connection here that Paul makes. <clears throat> he says, when we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, verse 15, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So when we allow the word of Christ to dwell in us, the overflow of that is singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and having gratitude, the word is literally grace in your hearts. I do believe that as we are captivated by the gospel and dwell on God's grace towards us, that it will produce a heart that is grateful. Do you have a grateful heart? How will you know? Are you allowing the word of Christ to dwell in you richly? Are you spirit-filled? So gratitude is the direct result here of someone who is spirit-filled. Someone who is allowing the word of Christ to dwell in them richly. A heart of gratitude is not only a mark of a person that is filled with the word of God, it is also a mark of a true Christian. Listen to how Paul describes unbelievers in Romans 1.21. He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not give thanks to God. They do not give thanks to God. A person that does not know Christ does not give thanks to God. They are not thankful. And so a true believer is somebody who does give thanks to God. So Paul describes unbelievers as neither glorifying God nor giving thanks to him. The unbeliever says, I don't need God. The religious unbeliever says, I can earn my salvation. Therefore, theirs is a lifestyle of not giving thanks. They complain about the boss. They are bitter about friends and family. They boast in themselves. 
And like the Pharisees, they give thanks for their good works in the same breath they criticize others. Listen to how Jesus described these unbelievers in Luke 18, 11 through 12. He said, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. Wow, what pride, what boasting. But the true believer is and should be identified by thanksgiving to God. And this thanksgiving grows by being spirit-filled or allowing the word of God to dwell richly in us. Are you living a life of gratitude? When people hear you talk, do they hear praise and thankfulness to God or complaints and criticizing? Has your thankfulness been increasing? Are you spending time in the word of God? And if we're not allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us, we will have evidence of that and it will come across in our complaining and criticizing. I want to challenge you to give thanks frequently to God for the life that he has given you. You say, Mike, you don't know how hard I have it. I may not, but God does. And he has given you that life not to drown you in pity, but that by knowing more of who he is, your life can testify of the goodness and faithfulness of God, despite how difficult your life may be. I want you to look towards Jesus and remember that while he was on this earth, that he too faced difficulties and hardships. He was misunderstood. He was rejected and hated. He was homeless. He was falsely accused. His own family thought he was crazy. People only wanted to be around him because of what they could get. He was betrayed by one of his own disciples. His disciples forsook him. He was denied. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was laughed at. He was mocked and cursed. The Jews chose the murderous, thieving outlaw Barabbas over Christ. He was tortured, crucified, nailed to a cross, became a public spectacle, and was even forsaken by God, his Father, as he became sin who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are reminded in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You see, by allowing God to become magnified, by allowing his grace to become more magnificent, you will experience an overflowing heart of gratitude in your heart towards Christ. See, we got to get all of our things that what we are experiencing out of the way, and we focus on Jesus. We focus on the Lord. We focus on him in the word, and the result of that is a heart of thankfulness that will just come overflowing. Can I encourage you? To make a list of all the good things that God has given to you or done for you. Thank Jesus for each one of those things. This is something that you could actually do. Some people that really struggle with 
a lot of hardships in their life. They, they look at their life and they say, man, my life is in shambles. I don't know what to do. Get out a piece of paper and start listing all the things that God has given you. And then start thanking God for those things. Watch how your attitude will change to gratitude if you start doing that. And as you think about these things, feel free to let the gratitude in your hearts overflow. As looks what he says here. It's overflowing into what? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so allow that worship to Christ to just overflow uh, in your heart towards him. Let's look at the second thing here. Gratitude is the result of doing all to the glory of God. Notice what he says here. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we are being spirit-filled, the result of that is that we will do everything for the glory of God while giving thanks. As believers in Christ, we should be striving to live differently. That's what the gospel has done and is doing in our lives. It is making us different. It is changing us from what we used to be to new creatures in Christ Jesus. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new now. And so we should be striving for this in our lives. Paul closes this section of scripture with this overarching command. That's, that's what this is. This is a command. Verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. He says simply whether we're working in the garage, whether we're playing basketball, studying for a test, or taking your wife out to a really nice dinner because you were a jerk to her, he says do all to the glory of God. And we're supposed to do it for Jesus. And when we think about doing all to the glory of God, I think that it is very common for us as Christians to separate the spiritual from the secular. Meaning, we come to church, we do that for God. right? We, we, do, we do all of our church stuff over here for God. But then yet, after we leave here, we go back over here and this, all this other stuff, my work, my friends, everything else, that's just separate. No, Paul says, whatever you are doing, do all to the glory of God. You see, as heavenly citizens, everything we do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for his glory while giving thanks. Now, let's break this down here. The simplest, most basic rule of thumb for living the Christian life is to do everything, whether word or deed, notice what he says here, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that mean? You ever thought about that? What does that mean to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? What does that mean? To do everything in the name of Jesus is to act consistently with who he is and what he wants. How will we know who he is and what he wants? You got to be in the word. You got to allow the word of Christ to be dwelling in you 
richly. And so if we are going to be doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, of who he is and what he wants, and we're going to be doing it with thanksgiving, we got to be in the word. And so to do everything in the name of Jesus is to act consistently with who he is and what he wants. This has to do with being in submission to Christ. If you are spirit-filled, you will be in submission to Christ through his word and the leading of his Holy Spirit. Now, just a side note here. Those two will never contradict each other, meaning the Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. They will always coincide with one another. So a fellow that says, uh, well, you know what? I got a feeling from the Holy Spirit that I'm supposed to divorce my wife. I'm sorry. That's not in Scripture. Okay? It will never go against Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never tell you to do something that is against Scripture. So Paul here is telling us that we need to be in submission to the Lordship of Christ. And notice this. It just permeates from this verse. You see it there? Look what he says. Do all in what? The name of the Lord Jesus. Later on, and giving thanks to God. You see the submission there? It's in submission to him. Everything we do is in, supposed to be in submission to God, to Christ. Now look at the phrase there, the name of the Lord Jesus. This refers primarily to his supreme authority. His name is what Philippians 2, 9 through 11 teaches, is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As believers in Jesus, we should say all words and practice all deeds in harmony with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul expressed the same thought in 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you are eating or drinking or whatever you are doing, do all to the glory of God. And so to do everything in his name is to act consistently with who he is and what he wants as followers that are in submission to him. When Paul says to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, the word name does not simply mean something that we call someone, like name, but the, name, the idea here in the Hebrew thought is it's to reflect one's character. Therefore, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus meant to glorify him and reflect his characteristics. This means I must reflect Christ's love in serving others. I must reflect his perseverance in difficult times. I must reflect his joy and rest in my leisure and entertainment. Everything I do can and should give glory to God and reflect his characteristics. Can I ask you a question what do you know about who Jesus is and what he wants? What have you learned recently about his character that has helped you live for him? Are you getting to know Christ more and more through his word? Do you know Christ in such a way that whatever you are doing, you are bringing glory to him? If not... Don't expect to be able to follow this command. You have to know him. You have to be spending time with him in his word 
if you're going to be doing and reflecting everything in his name. Sometimes Christians ask, can I do this or that? Or is it okay for me to do this? Is it wrong to do this? Well, verse 17 really gives you the answer to that. All we do, we must put to a simple test. What would Jesus do or say? Notice that it says that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. This covers everything, everything, everything. What we do or we say should be done or said according to his character and will. That's what it means to do something in his name. It means it reflects Jesus. So we must evaluate everything we do and say by that standard then. Is this something that I can do in his name? You say, Mike, can I do this? Well, can you do it in his name? Does it reflect his character? Does it reflect who Jesus is? If not, then I wouldn't do it. That's the simple test. Would I be doing this if Jesus were standing right beside me? Would I be saying this if Jesus were standing here listening to me? Ask yourself, can I do this in submission to Jesus Christ? If you're not sure if it would dishonor him, then don't do it. If you're sure that you can do it in submission to the Lord in line with his word, then do it joyfully and thankfully is what Paul is saying here. So let's wrap this up. Paul closes here, verse 17, with what I believe is the defining mark of a believer who has the word of Christ abundantly dwelling in him. Notice what he says. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. A spirit-filled, word-filled believer gives thanks to God for everything. I believe that being thankful is the single greatest act of personal worship a Christian can render to God. And we all can do it. This is the primary way we do everything in the name of the Lord in this context. We do it by being thankful. Isn't it interesting that we need to be reminded often to be thankful? We often lose a spirit of thankfulness, I believe, because we lose sight of who God is. In other words, we put ourselves on the throne. What I don't like, what I want. And so we lose that spirit of thankfulness. We should strive to have the glory of God on our hearts and minds. And we're reminded of that earlier in Colossians 2, weren't we? Set your minds on things where? Above. Where who is seated? Christ is seated, right? And so we've got to keep our minds focused on Christ. We glorify him the most when we live thankful lives. What should I be thankful for? You ever ask yourself that? Thankful that Christ reigns supreme. Thankful for his salvation. Thankful for his good gifts. And even thankful for trials that we go through as what Romans 5.3 and James 1.2 teach. You might be thinking, Mike, how can I be thankful in the trials? Notice in the text here, we are giving thanks to whom? To God the Father through him, through Christ. Here again, we have this submission to Christ. To thank God, especially when difficult things happen, means that I must submit to his sovereign dealings with me. There's no doubt that all of us in here have faced hard times, hard, difficult times. Life is hard. That's what happens. But as a Christian, 
We should be facing those difficulties and those trials with the idea of understanding that Christ is the one who has brought these things into my life so I can learn how to submit to him in everything and be thankful for it. You see, like Job, I can worship him even though I may not understand what he's doing if I submit my heart to say, thank you, Lord, I trust your sovereign, loving dealings with me. The opposite of thankfulness is grumbling and complaining. Israel in the wilderness grumbled and complained repeatedly, and because of it, God kept a whole generation out of the promised land. In fact, uh, Paul even gives us the, uh, the example of the children of Israel. He says, don't be like them who murmured in the wilderness, right? Where a whole generation fell. And so grumbling and complaining calls into question the character of God. It implies either God isn't good or he isn't sovereign enough over my problem. I confess I'm even prone to grumbling and complaining. We all are. And when we complain, we are saying to God, I don't trust you. And so we got to trust God, even in the hard and difficult things in life. You know how you can fight against grumbling and complaining? You need to be a word-filled Christian. That's what he says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with thankfulness. A word-filled, spirit-filled Christian will not be grumbling and complaining. Instead, they will offer a life of thanksgiving to God no matter the situation. Thankfulness is really the epitome of true spiritual worship. The ability to offer thanks in the midst of any situation, good or bad, is the ability to praise God. A thankful heart always sees beyond the difficult circumstances to the sovereignty of God. What things in your life do you need to be more thankful for? What hardships, what difficulties in your life do you need to be thankful for? You need to thank God for them. Did you know that Paul, when he was writing... And he was telling uh, there in uh, Corinthians, and he was talking about this, this thorn that was in his side. And he said, a thorn was given to me. Who gave him the thorn? God did. It was a gift. God actually gave him a thorn, a messenger of Satan to buffet him so that way he wouldn't become prideful. Paul says, hey, I'm thankful for this. It's hard, but I'm thankful for it. Are you thankful for the hard things in your life? You should be. As a church, what do we need to be expressing our gratitude to God for? You see, we all like to thank God when all the stuff is going well, don't we? The bank account's full, the refrigerator's full, the gas tank is full, right? We all like to thank God. Oh, everybody's where they should be, right? We all like to thank God for all that stuff. But what about the hard, difficult things? Do we thank God for those things? How can I become a more thankful person? Well, when we spend time in God's word and as we read and meditate on his words of love to us, his spirit will fill our hearts and minds as we become captivated by their truth. In turn, the Lord can change our selfish attitudes and fretfulness to thankfulness. 
And when that happens, we will then experience an increasing evidence of thankfulness in our lives as we do everything in his name while giving thanks to God the Father through him. So are you a thankful person? Are you spirit-filled? Spirit-filled person is going to be a thankful person. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.